Microphone check. One, two. CC. Hello and welcome at CC. Hello and welcome at one, two, three, four, five, six. She sells seashells by the seashore. She sells seashells by the seashore. There we go. Rolling. I think a lot of times at best, music in a film is very subliminal. It doesn't grab your attention. It just enhances the mood in a way that you mightn't even notice. In, in many cases, I feel like that's when film music works best. That potential is there. That, that fusion of the music with the picture really can elevate something to a new, a new level. Hello and welcome to The Documentary Life, a show that sets out to inspire and inform you on how to best live and lead your own documentary life. I am your host, Chris G. Parkhurst, and this is episode number 37. And it is brought to you by Barong Films, proud creators of Documentary Film, The Documentary Life Podcast, and The Documentary Academy, our industry-changing A to Z documentary filmmaking program that will transform you into the documentary filmmaker that you've always wanted to be. Find out more at thedocumentarylife.com slash academy. Now, I'm recording this segment from the U.S., where Steph and the kids and I, we've relocated back here from the U.K., until we move into our house next week, we're residing in my parents' RV, if you can believe it. So if you happen to, I don't know, hear a stray car, truck, or a lawnmower, you'll forgive me. The walls are definitely pretty thin in this thing. Now, today's show, it's very much dedicated to the, the often overlooked craft of original music or score for your documentary film. Not only am I a filmmaker, but I'm also a self-professed music geek. Anyone who knows me knows that other than my film gear, just about the only other material possessions that I own, they, they pretty much revolve around music. Film and music. Music and film. I really can't get enough. Now, anyone who has listened to at least a handful of episodes of TDL knows that the first documentary that I directed and produced on my own was a film called Journey to Kathmandu. It's a film I reference all, obviously, all the time in the show. I'd worked on a number of documentaries prior to this, but this was the first one that I could truly call my own, right? And most of you know that it's, it's a film that I shot in Nepal back in 2009. And most of you also know that it took a sometimes rather painfully long time to finish, like over four years. What you may not know is that it wasn't until over three years into the editing process and, and, and many different versions and cuts of the film that I was finally able to lay down original score to my visuals. What transpired as I began to lay the tracks into the various sections of the film, it quite literally blew my mind. After looking at you know this footage over and over and, and rearranging in a thousand different, oftentimes frustrating ways, once I put the original music in the timeline, put it in place, I suddenly saw and and maybe more importantly felt my film in an entirely new, fresh, and, and really in a very exciting way. And I'm not being overly dramatic when I say that the score for Journey to Kathmandu, it changed the landscape of my film. You'd have to go back into the archives of TDL, it was episode number four, to find a show where I talked about this subject of score for one's doc. 
The topic for the episode was actually inspired by an email from a doc lifer uh, by the name of Kristen. And she was out of Buffalo, New York, a city, as many of you know, very close to where I grew up and a highly underrated city, I might add. The show was inspired by an emailed question or her, or her emailed question. And at the time, I didn't really have a, a dedicated segment for this, right? So I was occasionally opening shows by reading an email from a listener. Of course, now, you know, that's morphed into an actual segment of its own called the Doc Life or Community Question of the Week. In any case, as I said, the show was dedicated to the subject of original music for your documentary film. Well, I'd like to do something similar with this show, only since we've expanded the show quite a bit since that episode, we'll also be hearing from someone who makes music for films for a living, as we welcome musician and score composer Peter Broderick onto the show. I'd been looking forward to talking with Peter for a long time, not only because I'd wanted to do a show dedicated to the art of film composition, but because I'd been listening to Peter for, for a few years, and, and, and I loved his music. His original score for the documentary film, Confluence, it's still one of my fave soundtracks. It's a piece of work that, I, that I'll, I'll listen to often when, when I'm doing writing. In fact, I'll be playing bits and pieces from this particular soundtrack throughout the program today. I'd highly recommend checking it out on, on, on maybe Spotify, or if you're a music fan like myself, you can order a, a copy of the CD, MP3, or, or you can have what I have, which is a vinyl copy of the soundtrack. So after a short break, we'll begin today's episode by revisiting episode number four, where I answered Doc Lifer Kristen's email question about the original score for, for my film, Journey to Kathmandu. I think it's a really nice and appropriate way to, to tee up what will be an awesome conversation with musician Peter Broderick. I'll also quickly add that there will be no Doc Lifer Community Question of the Week for this episode. Kristen's email will basically be the Doc Lifer Community Question of the Week. But I would like to encourage you to keep writing me with your comments and, and suggestions, uh, um, doc industry requests, by dropping me a line at, at chris at barongfilms.com. That's chris at B-A-R-A-N-G films.com. I've been getting more and more of these, and it's truly, honestly, it, it's shaping the flavor and the feel of the show, which is what I'd intended for this segment to be in the first place. Already, your suggestions have brought about show topics and industry guests, so you know, great work doing that, and let's keep it going. Again, again my email is chris at barongfilms.com. Enjoy today's episode of The Documentary Life. This one's been a long time coming. Remember, film and music. Music and film. Did you know that each and every episode of The Documentary Life has its own show notes? I mean, I'm sure you've heard me mention them on an episode, but have you ever actually gone and checked them out? Because they often have some really nice supplemental materials that go in conjunction with that week's show. There are behind-the-scenes stills of filmmakers and their work. There are video clips. There's additional information on a show's topic. Links to mention websites or resources. Just to name a few of the things that you'll find within show notes. So if you haven't been regularly going to view show notes after listening to a show, you're actually missing out on materials that will further the week's discussion, thereby helping you best live and lead your own documentary life. So after today's show, go to thedocumentarylife.com and start delving into show notes for today's as well as past episodes. It's just another way to be a part of our Doc Lifer community. There are plenty of places online to learn how to do things like split the audio signals coming into your camera, or how to animate some of your still photos, or get some great tips on lighting your interview, many blogs, YouTube videos, and of course podcasts where you can quickly grab an answer to a tech-related question. 
But what if there was one place where you could learn from beginning to end how to make a documentary film and how to become a doc filmmaker, how to raise money and build an audience for your doc, how to form strategic partnerships and launch your doc out into the world, and perhaps even, if you can imagine, make some money from it. Well, there is such a place, and it's called the Documentary Academy. Steph and I took two years to build out this comprehensive resource that takes you step-by-step step from story creation and pre-production all the way to post-production, launch, and distribution. The Academy takes you through your doc filmmaking journey as your most confident, active, strategic, creative, focused, and articulate self. It is a step-by-step -step guide to empowerment in the documentary filmmaking world. We know what we have in the Documentary Academy. Now it's up to you to discover what you have as a doc filmmaker. Do that today by heading over to thedocumentarylife.com slash academy. Faces in the paper in the story of your Peter Broderick, welcome to The Documentary Life. I'm really happy to have you on the show. We've had, and, and, and when I first reached out to you via email, I, I may have mentioned to you, we'd have an, had a number of types of guests on the show, whether talking about, you know, fundraising for documentary films. We'd had a lot of doc filmmakers. We'd had, you know, authors who had written books around funding. Um, we'd had, a, we'd covered a lot of topics is what I'm saying, Peter. But one of the topics... Other than an episode I had done myself, of sort of about the importance of scoring for your for your documentary film, we certainly hadn't had a conversation with someone um, who a musician who has done that themselves. So I'm mm -hmm. eager to speak with you uh, today about that. So welcome to the program, Peter. Thanks for having me, Chris. Pleasure. For someone who may be unfamiliar with with, with your work, Peter, uh, yeah. why don't you give us a bit of a description of your music? I mean, is it is it you know you hear these terms right? Modern classical, neoclassical, folk. Where is it that you feel like you fit in as a musician? Yeah, well, I have to say I've always had such a hard time um, describing music and words, and and that's actually one thing that um, is a big challenge when I'm working with a film because you're yeah. you're working with people and you're you're using words to describe music. Okay, I want something sad. I want something beautiful. But all these things are so subjective. It, it can often take a while before you kind of um, understand each other. And so I've always, I've always struggled in describing my own music. And also because I've, I have such a broad interest in. Right. Right. I, I'm really just so curious about all different types of music. So, and I love to play lots of different instruments myself. So, I've made everything from you know, folk music to uh, instrumental classical type music to um, experiments in hip hop and rock and roll type stuff and uh, more avant-garde drone based ambient music, yeah. things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I still uh, and I still, you know, would love to try all the things I haven't yet. Yeah, so, right, uh, right. Well, and, and if I, someone wanted to check out your music, you know, it, it would take one sort of check through Spotify to really see the types of the material that you're doing. I'm just using Spotify as an example because sure. you can access a number of your of your works there and right. what you're describing holds true where there you're really just you're really playing to a number of different genres. Absolutely, yeah. And I I've just I've just always loved doing that and it's it's it each kind of, you know, genre of music has brought me to different places as yeah. well. 
obviously with the the film world the the sort of um ambient you know uh sound design kind of um what's the word i'm looking for um well i mean you're describing sort of yeah i mean really it's this texture textural environmental you know yeah. music that's accompanying vision you know it's accompanying visuals right yeah and and in a in the case of a documentary a lot of the, a lot of the times the music will have dialogue over mm. the top as well right. so a lot of that music has to be pretty subliminal and and so yeah. yeah those that's the kind of style that's been picked up for me most in in the film and and also the dance world I've done quite a lot of music for for contemporary dance yes so um yeah i had been listening to your music for a while now and um you know i kind of i kind of as a filmmaker my, myself i kind of geek out a bit on on film compositions and scoring and uh and i'm also just a big kind of music geek myself and uh I, so i've been listening to to your music for a while um and 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 but it was it's crazy i you know i've lived in portland you know off and on for the past two decades you know we're currently in the uk right now my wife and i and but i was unaware until you know, actually starting to really research you um, very yeah. recently that, oh, wow, Peter spent an awful lot of time in Portland. And in fact, he spent most of his time growing up in Oregon and you were yeah. around bands, which I'd, you know, either seen perform or had listened to like Locke Lamond, Norfolk and Western, right, right. Horse Feathers and, and M. Yeah. Ward. And just, so it's crazy how, how that, that happens. Uh, you probably see me on stage then. I'm sure that. I have. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I've seen you play. I, I'm sure we have mutual music. Mutual friends, you know Portland. It's it's a pretty small town. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. let, let's get right in. Let's get right into to the you know some of the stuff, the composing for film work that you've done. How did you first get started composing for film? Where did someone approach you? Was it something well, that you actively sought out yourself? How did that first happen? Almost all the projects that I've worked on were, were people that found their way to me. Um, nice. But it's it's interesting because one of the first records, solo records that I released, um, was a record called Float, and, and that Float's album. Great. I love that album. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's primarily instrumental, piano-based compositions. But if you listen to it, it 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 comes across. At least I I think, and this was my my intention for it, that it would come across as a soundtrack in a way. There's a melodic theme there that kind of winds its way back. You know, it, it recurs throughout the duration of the album. Right. And that's something that happens a lot in, in film music. Uh, and I, I had been inspired by a lot of film soundtracks myself before yeah. I made the record. But although there's no, there's, it wasn't created for a specific film, I really wanted it to sound like it could be a soundtrack. And I think you know when people heard that they 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 picked up on hey this 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 could be music for a film and, absolutely and that was when people started reaching out to me um and some people have just taken those songs and placed them in a film and others have asked me hey can you can you make a new score tailored to this specific picture so and yeah ever since those records came out yeah, um, yeah. 2007 8 
I've, I've, I've had a steady stream of requests for that kind of thing. And that can lead us to a, a film that uh, a documentary film that I have, I think is a great film and I, I appreciate so much about it. I think the storyline is incredibly intriguing. It's shot beautifully and the music that you created for it uh, was something that I, I instantly took a liking to. Um, it's the kind of atmospheric, uh, atmospheric type of scoring that that I love. Um, and, and I'm speaking of the film Confluence. Confluence was this documentary uh, that, that took place in Lewiston, Idaho, of course, which is not really all that far from where you and I resided for, for much of our lives. Yeah. And it's a documentary about sort of the, the several cases of missing or murdered young girls in the 80s, all of which sort of seemed to lead back, you know, to this one man, right? And who, right. who has never actually been formally charged even to this day. And, right. and and the film is a beautiful film, and the score is, is, is equally beautiful. I would love to hear a bit about, um, and I'm kind of leading you on here, Peter, because I read a bit about how this came to be, including okay. your relocation to Germany. I have to hear that story because it's absolutely fascinating with, with the piano story and, or yeah, the piano yeah. store and, and, right. and really sort of a confluence of things in your own life that were happening that, that led you to this. Tell us that story of, of, of how the film came or how the music came to be for, for the documentary confluence. Yeah. Well, first of all, the director, uh, one of the directors, Vernon Lott, he usually yeah. works, um, as a partnership with his his partner Jennifer Anderson, um, they've made several films together. But Vernon reached out to me, and he <clears throat> it turned out that he was um, a, either a childhood or teenage friend with an old band of mine from bandmate of mine from Portland, Oregon. So there was a a small world connection already. But Vernon had stumbled across my own music and was working on this film and asked me if I would be interested in creating the score for it and. Um, I just got a great vibe off Vernon right away, and nice. and, and he he sent me a a decent offer. You know, he came up with he scraped together as much as he could mm. on a low budget project to yeah. you know to actually offer me something to make it worth my while. Um, right. So so I I got on board right away, and the amazing thing was that almost every single thing that I made and sent to Vernon, he just said yes right away. Oh, wow. And it's, oh, wow. it's so rare that that happens in the scoring world, at least in my experience. So it was, I really felt that trust from him in a way. And that really, um, that really got my creative juices flowing, you know, and when there's not trust in a project, it can be very challenging to, to navigate through it. But with Vernon in particular, I, 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 I've worked on a number of projects with him now, and I've I've always found it really really great. Um, but yeah, I, and at that time I had just moved to to Berlin, and I was lucky enough to be living above a piano store. <laughs> and the man who who had the piano store gave me the keys to the place. So after hours, I would just go in there at, in the middle of the night and play all these different pianos. And a lot of the recordings um, for that soundtrack took place there. Um, in this kind of eerie, dark piano, empty piano store.
Peter, what's what if any? What are what are the differences as a musician? What's a different a difference in the process of say writing music for yourself and writing for a film? When you're working for a film, you really uh, you're trying to you know oftentimes in film like people have been working on it for years before they start getting in touch with the composer yeah, right. so yeah. they've been involved in this whole world intimately for a long time and and it can be very um i've had experiences in the past where you know i started to make music and and filmmakers got almost offended because yeah. it was it wasn't what they had in mind um meanwhile you know uh i'm just doing my best to understand <laughs> where they're coming from well sometimes that's come to a head and we we've right. and, I've known filmmakers that have gone through four or five composers all doing a soundtrack and then in the end deciding to use no music at all. So, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, it's, um, but in other cases, it, it's, uh, you know, I don't know what it is really. Maybe Vernon just, uh, maybe it was that small world connection we had that we knew someone in common or mm. something. Uh, maybe he just really, really liked the music of mine that he'd heard and, and felt that he could trust me and, um, but for whatever reason, that one went a bit smoother. But it's always a very different process than than creating something on my own accord. You know, yeah. um, work making music for a film is, yeah, you you're often given very specific direction for it, and and I'll often end up revising something as per someone's request, and and in the end, it's kind of more like a collaboration. Sometimes, you know, it's That's not right. just it's not just your own idea, but it's. It's your own idea matched with someone else's vision. So, well, with that in mind, that last statement. I mean, how do you feel, Peter? What is, wh- how do you feel? What's the importance, or what is the impact, say, of your music to a film? How do you view that as as a composer? What is the impact of your music to a film? Yeah, um, I think a lot of times, at best, music in a film is very subliminal. It doesn't grab your attention. It just enhances the mood in a way that you mightn't even notice. And mm. and I I in in many cases I feel like that's when film music works best. Maybe mm. there's a moment or two when it jumps out and kind of grabs you, but I really appreciate music that can sort of um, go unnoticed in that way. Right. Right. Um, and uh, and that's that's something that I definitely find a challenge because I, when I make music, I like to make music that sounds good, you know. And you you hear it, and you think, oh, what a beautiful song. Or, and so um, it's kind of counterintuitive to try and make music that's that's not going to grab someone's ears. And and I have to admit, in a, a lot of time, I've I've uh, I've found it hard to be satisfied with the way my music fits in a film, you know, like mm. in the case with Vernon, he, he was very reassuring. And I felt through his own assurance that, that the music fit the film. But in some cases I, I really wasn't sure sometimes Interesting. if, uh, if it was adding to the mood or if it was too dramatic, mm, you know, mm, mm, mm. Uh, sometimes things, uh, music can make things just a little too dramatic for my personal taste. So it's a fine line there. It is a fine line. And how do you approach that? I mean, did you have moments where you felt like, I mean, it sounds like you had a really nice working relationship uh, with Vernon. Were there times where you felt like, Hey, you know what? I feel like this is 
kind of a little bit heavy handed or this is overdoing the mood that you're trying to create here. Can we pull back on it? Did you feel like you're able to do that with a director or or is your approach? You know what? I'm going to give the director what he or she wants. It's up to them to decide how they use it. Right. Yeah. You know, it just depends on the person. Um, With Vernon, like you said, I I felt very lucky in that project that we just kind of things just flowed and there were. There was, I'm actually remembering now, there was one thing that I really thought fit the film that he didn't think fit, but he was so, um, by that point, we just trusted each other so much that I had no problem just saying to him, you know, like, look, if you don't think that, that fits, that's fine by me, I'll, I'll come up with something else. And <laughs> so in that case, it worked really well. But yeah, I mean, I, I had another case years ago. It wasn't a documentary film, but it was a film that I was working on and it was so dramatic. Like the director ended up being fired by the producers and then they hired another composer and it's such a nightmare. So yeah, they, there's, there's such a huge variety of, of experience there. (laughs) Well, welcome to uh, uh, shining a little bit of a light on the, on the industry there, Peter, I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, you know, the experience that I had with my first documentary journey to Kathmandu I had mm-hmm. um I had approached two Portland composers uh okay. by the name of San, Samuel Ross and uh Jared Jensen. And, okay. and and they had they wrote music for for Journey to Kathmandu and as you as you alluded to earlier, you know this is this is so deep in the process for me. I at that point I'd worked on the film for 4 years and was right. close to close to really I mean I had I had a fine cut and I was close to to picture lock. So let me ask you did you did you have temp music in there? That's a great, great question. Um, yeah. I did have some temp music. Now, it, it, it's a great question, especially for this for my audience, because you'll hear a lot of, and, and I'm, I'm going to love to hear your opinion on this, you'll hear a lot of uh, back and forth about temp music. Um, mm-hmm. I came up uh, in the industry as an editor, and so I, I would use temp music I, I I used to use temp music quite a bit, and then at some point when when you then reached out to have original composition made, it's it's as if you've become you risk becoming too close to what you have created that intertwines sure. with that temp music you have. So on one hand, it might be a good sort of guidepost um, if your yeah. composer wants to have some idea of some sort of sounds that you're looking for or atmospherics. On the other hand, you know what composer wants to be told here just create this yeah and and not not to mention the fact that you know when someone's working on a film and they put in some temp music and you spend hours and hours Mm. countless times looking over that film that that temp music becomes embedded for you it's a part of that's film that's right and 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 I, i really it's like um it's like the musician who gets caught up on how their demo sounds and then they go to a studio and the studio recording never quite captures the magic of the demo. It's like, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you put in the time and listen to something that much or view it with that music there, yeah. it's going to yeah. become a part of it for you, you know? And, that, right. I, and I, I feel that that's just uh, intrinsic to that way of working. One of the things that I, I really, having worked on the film at that point for four hours and Oh, sorry, <laughs> let's, let's let's restate that <laughs> for four years. Maybe to some it looks like four hours. Uh, having yeah. worked on that for four four years, and then starting to get some of the music that that came in from from Sam and Jared, 
I have to say that it it for the first time probably in like three of those four years, I had a total new sense and new really inspiration for my film. Oh. And and they I I truly believe that their that their score it doesn't merely enhance my film. I felt like it transformed it and took it to an entirely uh, 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 entirely new place that I had not seen. Maybe I'd certainly maybe hoped for it, but it, it, it truly, their score transformed my film. And I am so thankful for that, that, that experience. And, uh, and so I feel like while I understand what you're saying, about creating scores for music and and how maybe it can be it should be understated i feel like you're underselling yourself a little bit in my opinion at least in my humble opinion because i just think score is just such an integral part of a film now wow well and and i'm i'm so glad to hear you say that about your own experience with Mm. that score in your film um i guess i don't always know sometimes how and I think, you know, you you might be someone who is particularly interested in music. I do think there are filmmakers out there. There, there are some filmmakers out there that, that don't have, they're not quite as focused on that part of it. Right, um, right. But yeah, it's 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 great to hear you say that, that, that just how important the music was to you. And I think, I think any composer that works with you should, should feel very lucky in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that is there you know like that potential is there that that fusion of the music with the picture really can elevate something to a new a new level um definitely peter what's the best way for a filmmaker to approach someone like you how do they approach you how do they ask you do they put an offer right up front or and and then you can answer with what they should be maybe supplying with you with afterwards for as terms of uh, inspirational materials yeah, well, you know, generally people will write to me first and they might introduce themselves and their project a little bit. Kind of a query. Um, yeah, and, 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 and then, you know, they kind of gauge interest. And then I, if I write back and, and let them know I'm interested, I usually in the beginning it wasn't like this. But nowadays the first question I ask is what's the timeline and what's the budget? What, yes, uh, yes. Just purely because, you know, as a freelance musician, this is how I make my living like you know, the timeline and, and the budget helps me know if it's if it's feasible at all. And I don't right. want to waste someone's time making them think I might be able to do it if, if I simply can't. Yeah, if you simply so, can't. Right, uh, right. So and I always ask right up front just to just just to be clear yeah. communication wise. It doesn't mean that I don't do projects that have no budget. Um, I still do sometimes if the, if it if the timing is right and if the project kind of hits home for me somewhere. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's a. Uh, the best, you know, it always helps to know that someone is familiar with my work in a sense. You know, it's, I, I hate to say it in a way that like mm. need my ego to be stroked before I get <laughs> on board. But it's it, it helps foster that sense of trust I was talking about. You know, if if you know if someone writes to you and they give you a specific ex- example like, hey, uh, Chris, I really loved that scene at the end of your film. Mm, mm. And then and then they go on to say, uh, I have this project. It kind of it kind of draws you in. You it know, sure it, does. it absolutely it, does. It, it really helps to have. And it makes me feel like, oh, I want to go check out this person's work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right. It doesn't have to be an egotistical thing. It can just be a mutual appreciation, really. Say someone has hired you, Peter, and it's a yeah. first time filmmaker. 
and yeah. they've hired you on a project and you've created some music and 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 that this filmmaker feels like wow this is this this is i mean it's great but this isn't where i saw the direction of this going it, it really mm-hmm. doesn't fit the fit the mood for these particular scenes what's the yeah. best way how would you recommend having that experience how would you recommend we filmmakers how do we tell you guys this well, what's the best way we can communicate that right well you know, it's 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 always helpful to be constructive. You know, yeah. Um, what really doesn't help is to just uh, shoot things down, <laughs> right? And, and and oftentimes that's the impulse mm. when you feel like a great resistance to something. If someone sends you music and you're like, oh no, 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 this isn't it. My best advice yeah, right. is to sit on it for a day or two first. Yeah. Think about um, think about a more constructive way to approach it, and 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 uh, you know. Keep in mind as well that maybe this comp- particular composer doesn't. Th- maybe it's not the right fit. That's always a possibility too. But mm. but but you know you wouldn't want to threaten something like that. You know, like you need to fix this or else you're not the right composer. Yeah, right. Or, you know, I guess you know just be true to yourself and and try and try and um, have a have a respect for what the person has taken time to to make for you. You know. Because uh, that respect is is what's going to foster and inspire them to to do good work for you. Well, and it's funny. I mean, I mean, you know how this is with music, Peter. Uh, how many times have we have we heard a piece of music in our lives, and maybe it didn't initially grab us, and then we heard sure. it the next day sure. or the next day after that, and suddenly it starts to kind of find yeah. its way into you, and then you yeah. and suddenly you love it at some point, right? And, and I think that that can happen with, with our Absolutely. films too, right? I mean, like you said, we as the filmmakers, we've been spending so much time with this footage. And whether it's shooting it, whether it's yeah. interviews, whether it's editing the footage. And, and we have our sort of our own vision and our own ideas and we see it and hear it a certain way. And you're bringing, oftentimes, we're bringing the composer in so late in the process that I think it's a very natural thing as the film, for the filmmaker to maybe not initially feel connected to the music that's sent to them. But as you're suggesting, Absolutely. if you give it some time, and it, and it really does need some time, then yeah. make your assessment after you've given it some time and worked with the footage for a bit. Absolutely. And that, and that, that right there, Chris, is key, I think. Just what you said, oftentimes on first listening, something just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. And if if you can if you can get past that initial um, rejection or maybe Mm. uh, whatever defensive feeling to it, the defensive feeling, if you can get past that, you you really might surprise yourself sometimes if you just give something a little bit more of a chance. Watch it four or five times. Show it to a couple friends. Do some A B with the original whatever temp music you might have had. Yeah, right. And the new thing and and yeah. Um so yeah, yeah, I, I really that that's something like I would be so happy with for people that I'm working with if they can um if they can experience it a few times before getting back to me with feedback. I think that'd be really helpful. Something you had mentioned earlier about about payment and budgets and, and this sort of sort of uh, this idea of you know there are there are obviously bigger budgets and there are smaller budgets and there are little to no budgets. 
an established an established musician like yourself, Peter, what is your response, or how do you how do you handle the response to someone who maybe approaches you with very little or no budget for music for their film, um, but they approach you nonetheless, asking for you maybe to c- contribute to their project? How are you hand? What's the best way that that you handle that? Well, um, when I first started off ten years ago. I was I was so eager for any kind of project. I I did a lot of things for free. Right. Um. And and at some point, maybe five years into that, I I, I got a little burned out. I yeah. I realized I'd taken on a little too much and stretched myself a little too thin. But then I started to be a little bit more cautious, just to um, really to respect uh, that I have enough time to work on each project. So know? important. Because if if I take on too much, then and I'm just I'm stretching my ideas thin, and I and 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 each thing is gonna um, suffer from that a little bit, I think. So, you know, I tried I try to find a way to describe that sort of thing to people without in in a respectful way, and and most people understand, you know, yeah. uh, that if 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 there's no budget, they they can't realistically expect you to put aside time. But um, there's the cases when I do stuff for free nowadays, they're usually more more often than not people that I know and people that somehow, you know, maybe they do something that's a bit of a favor for me somehow. Right. right. <laughs> you know, it's 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 more like there's some kind of um some kind of exchange going on. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's it's it just depends on the request, you know. I but I do try to get back to everyone who, who reaches out to me and um, oftentimes what I'll do if someone has no budget is, uh, I'll tell them to go through my back catalog and maybe try and, and put in some of that music. And, you know, as long as the film stays a low budget thing that they can just use that music, but maybe right. if the film starts to generate some income, right. then th- we get back in touch and, and talk about, you know, a way to share some of that income. It's interesting that, and that, that reminds me of, uh, are, are, are you aware of when Moby, and this is maybe just a few years ago, Moby put up a website called, I think it's Moby Gratis. And uh-huh. basically, basically what he did was he took like 90% of his entire catalog and, and put it up on the website and basically made it so anybody who's, you know, students, um, nonprofits, NGOs, uh, artists, um, anybody who wasn't, if you wanted to use the music that wasn't for a profit sort of venture or a profit seeking venture, you could apply yeah. to him or apply to Moby Gratis. You'd simply send, you know, through the website and he would respond to you generally within a day or two on whether or not you could use, you could use his music. And again, 90% of the time it was, it was, it was a yes, and 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 the idea was, however, if it does generate, start to generate some more more income, or or you want to, or you intend for this to to make some income at that point, then we need to, you know, we'll discuss that. Yeah. Um, how absolutely. do you how do you feel about that as as a musician? I think that's that's a terrific idea. I would I would I feel like I do a similar thing myself yeah. without having that website, you right. know. Um, because why not? You know, if someone wants to to use your song and they they've made a film, a creative endeavor, but it ha- it doesn't generate any income, you know, why would you ask? How I mean, there's no money there for anybody anyway, so <laughs> right. why ask for any? But you know, it's it's fair enough to say 
if 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 this project starts to generate income, let's let's get together and talk about this again. And I think that's such a nice, trusting way to go about things, rather than get a contract in place from the start on a tiny, low budget budget project that you just you just trust each other. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, agree to to readdress it if it's if the situation changes. You know, one of the things that 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 I'm sort of uh, you know particularly I don't want to say I don't know if particularly proud of is is the right way to state this, but years ago, and when I say years ago, it's probably at this point 2004 ish. Um, I had worked on my first documentary. I was hired by another Portland filmmaker, and we went and spent six months in Cambodia. Uh, essentially uh, with a film called Bomb Hunters and we were filming um, basically the rural segment of the population which was spending time digging up essentially old mortars and bombs and rockets from 30 years of civil war and, and the American bombing during the Vietnam War and, wow. and, and, and they were essentially taking these rockets and bombs and trying to disassemble them to separate the TNT and the metal and to sell the metal on the, uh, on the scrap trade. And we were wow. sort of following this this um, this this uh, this trade that they were a part of, and at the time, Godspeed You Black Emperor had had recently come out with um, uh, what's the album Yankee UXO, okay, and, which yeah. was all like you know, and if you looked at the album cover, it was like unexploded ordnance all over the place, and, and all the major corporations that were linked to. Um, money that went through, uh, you know, defense funds and and right. basically war machines, and 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 it's funny because I used one or two songs as a temp track for a couple of scenes, and uh-huh. the director because the director had hired me to edit the film afterwards when we came back to the states, and the director liked it so much that um, that we just sent an email out to. Um, uh, I don't know if it was Ephraim or, or who it was from Godspeed, yeah. but we, we just sent an email to one of these guys. Total shot in the dark, right? Because, yeah. of course, at that time, I mean, I'm sure you're well acquainted with Godspeed. And, and, oh, yeah. and uh, you know, they were kind of certainly at that time this sort of, uh, you know, anarchic sort of group of musicians out of yeah. Montreal that you, you really didn't know where they resided or who was in the band, who wasn't and how you could ever get a hold of them. And, and they didn't do score work at all. In fact, they were pretty against it at that, at that point. And we right. just thought, what the hell shot in the dark. And we sent an email and within 24 hours, um, one of the band members had written us back and, uh, he basically was like, look, um, you may or may not know this. We don't normally do movies at all. Uh, but yours sounds like a pretty important social cause. So go ahead and use these two songs. And if and when you ever make any kind of money on it, just go ahead and cut us a check, whatever you think wow. it's worth. And it was just like, no way. That's great. But in a, in a sense, it's also not too surprising, right? Right. Because it's like, right, someone puts their money where their mouth is, sort of like. Yes, right. Someone, someone's willing to sort of give for the cause that they, they claim, in a sense. It is. And, and that's exactly what that felt like. So. That was kind of a, a cool little little anecdote I, I thought I'd share with you. Yeah, absolutely. Peter, this has been a a, a a wonderful conversation, and I'm I'm so glad that 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 we were able to connect. How can my listeners get a hold of some of your music? What's the best way for them to um to get some of your music? Well, you mentioned Spotify earlier. I I don't have a Spotify account myself, so I don't know what that looks like, but I do believe that a good amount of my music is on there. Right. The only web thing that I do myself nowadays is an old-fashioned website. Yeah. It's peterbroderick.net. Believe it or not, peterbroderick.com. 
Peter.com will lead you to a filmmaker called Peter. Peter I Goddard. was going to ask you if you knew about him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know about him from our, my Google mistakes. <laughs> I'll bet. But uh, yeah, um, but yeah, PeterBroderick.net is my website, and uh, you can find me there. And uh, and after listening to your music and and becoming more acquainted with this, I'm sure I would not be surprised if um, who knows maybe a listener or two will will reach out to you in the future to do some work. Um, it's, well, feel free. Yes, it's it's incredible music. I'm I'm happy to hear your story, Peter. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for being on the program. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you took the time to sort of highlight um, the music part of a film because uh, it, it may not seem like the most important part sometimes, but it, it deserves its own um, its own space to be talked about like this. So thank you, Chris. Thank you. Don't forget, we'd love to have you join us in the Documentary Academy. Come and take a look at how we can help you make your best documentary film at thedocumentarylife.com slash academy. That's thedocumentarylife.com slash academy. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Reason, drawing fiction into faith at every time. Yeah.